game. All fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! What up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco and Paul Mancano joining you once again from our Mass and All Access web studio. Paul, how's it going, man? It's going okay, Bobby. We're going. We're doing a solid. Uh, What's this? Our second or third Wednesday in a row. We're cranking out episodes yeah. on Wednesdays, getting hump day action going on, and uh, putting up some new episodes every, in the middle of the week for people. I think uh, Wednesdays work because um, you know it's like right in the middle or near the end of a series. Yeah, we've probably exhausted our creative ideas for actual on-air stuff, and then we just yeah. save all the rest for, uh, for the podcast. For the podcast, I was thinking uh, earlier today along those lines, just the schedule. Like, I, I, I like planning like a week or two in advance my personal schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I'm working these hours, and then I've, so I need to take care of my personal stuff on these certain days. Yeah, and I was thinking like it is like you kind of have to for what we do at least to have to like schedule our personal stuff around like thursdays and mondays because those are the two days because they're yeah they're always playing on tuesdays and wednesdays most likely and then friday through sunday yeah so i was like so wednesday like it's weird it's kind of interesting that they're always they're guaranteed probably to play tuesdays and wednesdays yeah because like they wouldn't start except the, the the rare exception might be is that the the Boston Red Sox always mm-hmm. host a four game series on was the Boston weekend or yeah. whatever the the weekend of the Boston Marathon. So they host a four game series that starts on a Friday, ends on a Monday. So you might get an off day on a Tuesday, which is bizarre. But yeah. no, but then you can't start a series on a Wednesday, so you wouldn't get an off day on a Tuesday. Yeah, how would you start a series on a Wednesday? You you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Basically, we have the. No social lives, because right? Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays are yeah. Much so our out quote unquote way. Saturdays and sa- Sundays are Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah, Bobby, you just saw a movie on a Tuesday. I mean, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's my rare day off. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm you know working the next like three exactly. days. That's and yeah. all weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the kind of that's kind of how you have to fit it in. Yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting that like because you, you know basketball and hockey and football football it's Sunday, Thursday, Monday, but like basketball, you know, they're off days change every week there's yeah. not like a set day but baseball you can guarantee they're going to be playing tuesday wednesday friday through sunday yeah exactly i thought it was kind of funny i don't know that's a good insight into way my mind works um, um just just call the secretary let her uh I've, I've got a secretary i'll let her know yeah you know all right all right cool. clear my appointments for wednesday <laughs> all right so the washington nationals paul um in the middle of a tough home series right now against the uh oh i almost said arizona cardinals st louis cardinals kyler murray's gonna be in that game uh, yeah maybe <laughs> he did play baseball top that's first yeah. round pick mm-hmm. therein lies the humor um and man, are they struggling right now, Paul? They yeah. have lost. They are three and seven in their last ten. Obviously, have dropped the first two to the Cardinals, and they were able to avoid a sweep via walk off on Sunday mm-hmm. at home. It's just kind of nothing's clicking for. You know, we talked about the bullpen all for the first month, and now they've seemingly put together twelve plus scoreless innings. But then we see Patrick Corbin struggle on Monday. We see. Anibal Sanchez struggle Tuesday. Yeah. Um, the lineup hasn't been able to produce more than two runs or three runs the past couple of nights. It's just not all clicking for the Nationals at this time. Which is exactly what the story was last year, right? I mean, I remember so many writers right now are making um, 
comparisons to last year's team because of how slow they started last year. But at that point, they were coming off back-to-back NL East titles, and so you figured they were going to kick it into gear at some point. You had Daniel Murphy, who was still going to come back um, from the disabled list. Um, you had reasons to kind of hope that they were going to get better, and right now you, you also do. You have you know reasons to believe Rendon and Trey Turner are going to bring a, a boost to this lineup, but it does feel very similar to last year in that they are playing worse than we know they can. Um, and they're just, it's, nobody's on the same page on the same day. Like you said, Bobby, like yeah. they're, you know, the, the offense has a good game pitching gives up a ton of runs and vice versa. Yeah. We talk all the time about how it's, it's, it's major league baseball. It's, it's the hardest level of baseball there is in the world. It's, you're not going to get all three aspects or let's call it four aspects of the, of the game playing, you know, you're batting your defense, you're starting pitching in your bullpen, mm-hmm. um, clicking, Every single day, it's just just unre- unreasonable to expect. But you would think like at least three or two of those aspects on any given day will be enough to win a majority of your games or yeah. win two out of three, whatever, what have you. Yeah. And it's just not happening right now. Like you said, you know, the bullpen finally has picked up its slack, but starting pitching slug is struggling. The offense yeah. isn't clicking. Um, obviously, missing Anthony Rendon is huge in that, and Trey Turner is huge in that. Um, what did you make of speaking of Anthony Rendon of yeah. the decision finally to put him on the IL? Uh, yesterday, Tuesday, I mean, it, and after, well, after the fact, it just seems like they mishandled it, right? It, and it's it's kind of a from an outsider's perspective, right? Absolutely, and it's kind of a here we go again. We've yeah. seen this before. We've yeah. seen them miss. I don't want to say misdiagnose, but kind of just wait too long, expect something to heal itself, and then be ready to go within ten days, and it's not the case, and then you're stuck where you're basically wasting a roster spot for longer than you had to. Yeah. I think it was, was it Sean Doolittle that was last year? Because I remember it's, he... I mean, in the past, it's been Sean Doolittle. It's been Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, Zim. It, um, it's been a handful of guys. Yeah. Uh, I think we even in a catching situation a couple years ago. I think might, maybe it would have been Matt Wieters at one point. Yeah. But um, it's just, it's it's be one thing if, like, you know, he's, all right, he's your best player. If you don't have to exactly throw him on the IL immediately, you would like to wait it out, hopefully. Because, again... His MRI came back clean. He was diagnosed. You know, it's just a contusion. You just need the swelling to go down. He'll be good. Yeah. And it's just taking longer for them, taking it longer than they expected to heal, which is fine. But, you know, what was the harm in just putting him on there in the first place? Right. And then yeah. because that's the beauty of the 10 day deal. Yes. The, the bare minimum is 10 days, yeah. which he is well surpassed. And at that point, he can stay on as long as needed and then come back whenever ready. And then you still have someone filling his roster spot. Exactly. And so you're not just wasting a spot on the 25-man roster. And they were given extra rope by the fact that you can do it retroactive, what, three days? You can do it three, you can, from the last time he played. Mm-hmm. So if you can do the last time he played or the max three days, yes. Right. So okay. that's what they did. So yeah. it was yesterday, Tuesday, the 30th, so they retroactive to the 27th. Right. And so the early season comeback is now May, this is next Tuesday. Yeah. So what they could have done three days after his injury and, you know, is done it three days, you know, and right. so they totally covered that. Um, it's, yeah, incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um, from a Nationals perspective. You could have had, and, and, and now they're kind of like, and then Ryan Zimmerman hits the IL too. Yeah. And then you bring up Eric Fetty to take his spot and, and he pitched phenomenally in the bullpen. Yeah. But then you have to option him down and because he's, He's not going to be ready to pitch for the next couple of days and then bring up a, an actual replacement for yep. Ryan Zimmerman and Adrian Sanchez. And then now you throw Rendon on the eye. I mean, it's just now they're kind of like 
stru- seems like struggling to piece together this twenty five man roster because they didn't take care of Rendon from the from the get go. Yeah, and it's especially frustrating this year because they don't have a whole lot of room for error in terms of bringing guys up and down like they have in years past. Right. They're not in Syracuse. Right. They're not, what, five, six hours drive. They're five, six hours plane ride away uh, out in California. And that just, that makes things, that adds an extra wrinkle to things. And yeah, Eric Freddie was great in that start or in that relief appearance, but kind of lucky he was because he had jet lag and he was three hours off on his body clock. Like, it's tough. It's going to be really tough this year to bring guys back and forth between AAA and the big leagues. And so when you make a decision to bring somebody up, you want to keep him up for at least a few days. Yeah. And and, and vice versa. And it worked. I mean, they got lucky in the sense they got when they brought up Carter Keeboom on last Friday, mm-hmm. he, you know, they had an off day in between their their finale in Colorado where they were where, where there was time to get him to DC. Right. from Fresno. So that worked out well, but the, like, again, now they're kind of plucking and they're stashing guys. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in the offseason. We're stashing guys and Harrisburg at double A, right. who probably should be, if they're not with the Nationals, they should be pitching triple A yep. or playing at triple A. And they're stashing guys locally because in case they need it, which is smart, which you have to do, but right. it's just kind of, it makes everything way more trickier. And with the triple with the A, I remember having a conversation with Mark Zuckerman of MassinSports.com during spring training when all this is coming to fruition. It's like they have to be a lot more decisive when it comes to their injury designations because Fresno is so far away and they're not going to be able to get a guy here overnight as easily as they could have when they were in Syracuse. Exactly. So that just adds an extra wrinkle to things. Um, but, Bobby, we talked about the comparisons to last year's team. Yeah. Um, I found one good kind of comparison from a recent Nationals team to 2014 Nats. Um, you might remember they were... Uh, over 500 at the end of April, but they were an even 500 in May. They dipped a few games below 500 at one point. They were three games back of the NL East at the end of May, and they finally reclaimed the NL East in the middle of July, July 19th, and they took it for good, and they ran away with it in a division that was really not that good. I think the next closest team was like the Braves with like 79 wins. Um, so that, I mean you see kind of like a a good comparison for a path because I think so many people are just going down the dark path of this is the same story all over again. So there are, you know, there's obviously precedent for a team coming back from this right now. They're three and a half games out of first place. They're still what? Four games below 500 at this point or no two, two games below 500. Uh, I have it right here. They are four, four games, below three and a half games out of first place. The good news is, Nobody's running away with this division, like we kind of expected. Um, you know, the Phillies are just a few games over 500. I think um, Phillies fans, if asked honestly, they would say that it's been kind of a disappointing start so far. The Bryce Braves Harper got booed last night. He did. Uh, the Braves are a game below 500. The Mets are just a game above 500. So, so long as the Nats play around 500, they're going to be there this whole time. But they can't expect to dip four or five games under 500 and still be in the thick of things here. Right. This goes back to the conversation we had a week or two ago, um, and uh, many people are having where they, and it's kind of, you know, they were, I had a bit two weeks ago. Let me have this cut right here. I'm going to get the exact date right. Um, It was after they finished the series winning two out of three in Mm -hmm. Philly. And then they were coming home to face the Pirates and the Giants and then go to Miami and Colorado and then back, come back home against the Padres. Right. So this is basically 
the second half of April. Yeah, they did not do well in that stretch. Before that, right, and before that series, uh, heading into the Pirate series, our own Mark Zuckerberg wrote a great article saying, you know, the Nationals up to this point have been surviving. Here's where they need to start thriving yeah. because it's not going to get much easier after this stretch. And they lost two or three at home against the Pirates. They lost. They were able to squeak out two out of three against the Giants. Yeah. But then they lost two or three in Miami against the Marlins, the worst team in the division, maybe the worst team in baseball. Uh, and then they lost two out of three in Colorado against the Rockies, another team that's, while talented, not playing as well as they could have been. And then you'll come in. The Padres are, are actually playing well, um, but you lose two or three at home against the Padres, a team that maybe isn't really contender. They're better. This isn't the Padres of old, but they're not as good as the Nationals should be, correct? Yeah. yeah. I think we can all agree on that. So, And then now you're entering a, a stretch where, okay, you're hosting the Cardinals, a first-place team at home. You've already lost two out of four to get to them. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Philly, another first-place team. Then you go to the Brewers, a first-place caliber team. Then you go to L.A. for four against the Dodgers, Brutal a first-place team. I mean, it's just, you know, you've missed the window to survive. Yeah. And now you have to thrive we're going to be saying this phrase, I feel like, all, all season long now. But now you have to thrive against really tough opponents. Yeah, exactly. And that's just, and that's, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Especially where this team is, how, there's, how this team is playing and the injuries they're dealing with right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I got to thinking, because they're, you know, we talk about what is the reason for their struggles. And you could say it's a lot of little things. I dug a little bit into the stats here. Um, we know, obviously, Ryan Zimmerman is on the IL right now. Uh, but I looked at his his struggles and Brian Dozier's struggles right now because they seem to be getting nothing from those two at this point. Yeah. Um, I know that they've hit the occasional homer, but right going into last night's game, Brian Dozier was hitting 193, and I don't think he had a hit last night. I think it went down into the 180s. Zimmerman, he's on the IL. He's hitting 213. Both of those guys are in the bottom 50 in Major League Baseball in batting average uh, among qualifiers. I mean, that for two guys that you expect to produce for you, and when you have Rendon and Turner missing from your lineup, that's brutal. That's absolutely brutal to have those two guys struggle as much as they are right now. Yeah, because then, like you said, with Rendon and uh, Turner out, now you have to count on Wilmer Defoe mm-hmm. and... Carter Keeboom and Howie Kendrick to pick up the slack missing from those two guys. And it doesn't help where you also need help picking up the slack from your right side of your infield as well. Yeah, exactly. And you look at... It's like double jeopardy, yeah. but the opposite. And they are the most veteran guys in this lineup at this point. Yeah. Considering that they're missing those guys, they have, you know, obviously very young outfield and Carter Keeboom now. So they are really in need of some veteran leadership in that lineup. And they're, those two guys are just not giving them anything. Um, and that is that's kind of a crushing blow at this point. And I know, you know, and I think the idea behind adding Dozier was that even if he struggles, you have Carter Keeboom as a backup plan. Well, because of that Trey Turner injury, you don't really have that backup plan. And you know, we know what Wilmer Defoe is at this at this point. So, in terms of hitting, I would kind of shift the blame to those two guys um, at this point because I don't think it's fair to blame. I think. You know, we ex- we were expecting Robles to be kind of up and down in his first full season. Obviously, can't expect much from Carter Keeboom. He's 21 years old. So, uh, and, you know, Juan Soto having a little bit of a sophomore slump. But it's on, it's incumbent on Dozier and Zimmerman to pick up that slack, and they just haven't. Right. And, and I think, also keep in mind, coming into the Brian Dozier acquisition, we knew 
what he was coming into it. Like he's a streaky hitter. He can hit for power at times, mm-hmm. but he'll, you know, he'll be high and then he'll go back down. I mean, we went through a stretch of six games um, in the middle of April, starting it with against San Francisco, going through the Colorado series where he hit 278 mm-hmm. with five RBIs and three home runs. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of production we thought we would get from Brian Dozier. Now it wouldn't be this bad where he is hitting 184 on the season. Yeah. It shouldn't be that low, but I mean, that's just a small microcosm of what we expected from him where he has his downtimes, but then he gets hot for a week and then he goes back down to normal. Yeah. His normal just isn't where it should be or has been throughout the course of his career. And that's right. what's struggling. And, you know, with Ryan Zimmerman, I mean, it's starting to look more and more like 2017 was in fact a fluke, yeah. not a fluke, but just like a blip, a blip. He got lucky. Uh, he was able to stay healthy and was just, you know, Seen just had a hot really season. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> And, you know, obviously last year he struggled, this year with and with injuries. And, uh, you know, we seeing what Ryan Zimmerman is at this point in his career, yeah. just an inconsistent, unhealthy first baseman. Yeah. Well, and at some point, you know, the that becomes like you have to go with the bulk of evidence at that point. You know, yeah. you don't go with the one season and just kind of hope that that can replicate itself because – you know, he obviously, that 2017 All-Star year that you mentioned was phenomenal. The year before that, you might remember, he hit 218. And the year before that, he hit 249. So even including that 2017 awesome season in which um, he hit over 300 and was an All-Star, including all of that over the last five seasons, he's hitting still hitting 259, which is not awesome, um, on base of 319, slugging three or four seventy four. That's still I would say, considering you're a first baseman where defense is the least important, that would probably below the average first baseman in terms of production. Yeah, absolutely. And that's including that one great season. So um that's you know, that's just kind of you it makes you wonder going forward. But at this point you just hope that he can get healthy and, you know, like we've been saying, it feels like every week, every other week for the past couple yeah. of years. And when he gets back, I mean, I know as Ryan Zimmerman, nothing, I mean, he might be the best Nationals player to this date to ever put on the uniform. And he is going to go in the ring of honor. I'm assuming they're going to retire number 11. He can't be overstated what how, how much he's meant to this franchise and this city, local guy out of UVA. But at what point when he comes back, do you just say, hey, I got to start Matt Adams yep. over you? Like. I mean, Matt Adams has basically the same numbers, and he's hitting better for average. Yeah. Like, they both have three home runs. Matt Adams has two more RBIs, and he's hitting, like, almost 50 points more better. In, in, he's yeah. hitting 50 points better for his batting average. So, at what point do you just say, hey, so, I mean, great to have you back, great to you're healthy, but I think we got to go. We're we're too far behind right now where we yeah. need to keep the hot hand in the starting lineup day in and day out. Yeah. And, I mean, well, that's tough to say, but, you know, we're – we're getting to a point, and if we're not there already, it's coming up where it's it's too late to say it's too early. Yeah, exactly. So it's still early. So and it's it's like you got to pull a trigger at some point and, and make a dramatic move and count on a big May when the schedule is not favoring yeah. for a big May. And I remember we were having this conversation, very conversation last oh, yeah. year, because Matt Adams was out to an even better start last year, and he was seemed like every time he came in to pinch hit, he hit a homer. So, yeah. um, you know, that is... It's a conversation that we're again having. All of this deja vu that we are getting. Yeah, and um, and and like I was, I've been thinking. 
We saw Carter Keebum have a great start at this weekend, but then even he has like, which is expected. I, I I hope people don't put too much pressure on the kid because yeah, like everyone saw what Juan Soto did yeah, last year. You can't year. expect him to exactly. be Juan Soto. Exactly. You know, the Nationals aren't going to have young, young. I mean, also it was very cool on Sunday to see Juan Soto, Carter Keebum, and Victor Robles all homer. Yeah. Basically carry the team to a win, and then Matt Adams walk it off. Um, but I mean, in his first five games, Carter Keebum's hitting 158 with seven strikeouts. And the two homers are great and exciting and all, but mm-hmm. um, we saw his first couple of mishaps at, at, at D- on defense the other night too. Again, all to be expected of a guy who has yeah. never played above double A before this year. Yeah. Invited to his first major league camp is just getting his first triple A at bats earlier this month before being called up to the major league club. Yeah. Totally fine to be expected. I wonder if the long game here is get Keyboom acclimated, get him as many major league, get him, as many major league at bats as possible. Mm-hmm. That way, when Rendon and Turner come back, if Dozier's still struggling, we can just shift him to second base. Right. Um, yes, that that might be a good idea in theory. Um, I like where that's kind of. I headed. mean, is it just? I mean, it has to be at least be on the table. I'm right. not saying it's exactly what they're doing. They're in the, or they're counting on it, yeah. but it has to at least be in the back yeah. of Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez's minds. Exactly, and it, you reach a certain desperation level, it, right? With, and because again, we're running out of time. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, it's still early. No, it, we're kind of getting in desperation right. mode sooner rather than later. My guess is they wouldn't want to do that. It's not their plan A. You know, I think their plan A is Brian Dozier gets out of this funk right. and it's fine. Yes, obviously that'd be um, the ideal case because I think there's. Concern. What would concern it's a me what about if. that plan? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's fair to ask at this point. And I, what would concern me about that, obviously, is he hasn't played a whole lot of second base. Right. He's been having. He's been getting some time at second base in AAA, but not a whole lot. Um, and if you shift him over to second base and say, you know, in a few weeks, if he's still hitting 158 or below 200, then you add a second defensive position to his arsenal. Like that could just really right. mess with. He could struggle, mess with his confidence. Yeah, um, and it's also. Yeah, and it's also dependent on the idea or the fact that Carter Keboom also improves because like yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't qualify or quantify like his numbers don't say he needs to stay up immediately right now. You know, if yeah, he obviously. doesn't improve too, then there's no reason to keep him up yeah. here. You know, just hey, go back and get. I mean, again, don't put pressure on the kid to be the next Juan Soto. I don't yeah. think that's what the Nationals are doing. I hope fans aren't doing it either, and that's not what we're doing. Yeah, but so like if it doesn't work out this time up, that's. Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. there's no shame in sending him back down to AAA, getting him more reps and and facing tough pitching in, in AAA yeah. and also playing second base. Exactly. And that doesn't obviously doesn't preclude them from bringing him back up later on in the right. season for good. Right. Like if and they, there was know. again and this is like I think that's why people are comparing him to not to once the Juan Soto situation is because he was brought up out of need yeah. because of the injuries, because of Trey Turner's going to be out longer than they anticipated, because Rendon has been out longer than they anticipated. They need help on that side of the infield. Carter Keelum's a natural shortstop. He's your top prospect. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like he's completely lost up there. He, no, he can no. play. And it's funny, it's funny watching him take his at-bats. You know, he you can tell he's, he's close, but he's not quite there. He's not yeah. quite there to facing major league pitching you know there are strikes being called against him that's like you gotta swing at that yep, pitch yep. and he's just not ready and that's fine um you only get better by getting more yes yeah. i think it was was it Wainwright last night that like framed a perfect pitch on him that's like uh, you know it was a good pitch but it's like he didn't even come close to seeing that like yeah yeah, yeah. and there were there have been pitches 
And it's I think it's actually kind of good because he's ta- he has taken some strike threes, but it's good because he's um, I think that's helping him. It shows that he's able to take pitches. A lot of times you see these guys come up and they think and everything's just hack. Yeah, and they think right. everything's a strike. Right. Um, and it's probably a process of him learning a major league strike zone. Exactly. And so it's um, I think it's also good because it shows that he has an eye at sometimes. Sometimes he takes some pitches that are really good takes. Um, and it works the count, and that's you know like a show sign of a veteran move. But then there are other times either he takes a strike that's right there, yeah. or he just gets flat out fooled. Like yeah. there are a couple times he's already gotten flat out fooled by sliders, um, some curves. The, when he gets a hold of the fastball, we've seen how far it can go. Right. But it's just the difference between a fastball and a off speed pitch at the major league level. That's the biggest, obviously, adjustment. And I think even I mean even the short book that the Cardinals may have had him. It was three games, but. Everything, at least what I'm seeing, everything mm-hmm. to Carter Keboom is down and away. Yep. They're they're they they're wanting him to chase that. They're expecting a young rookie to chase it. And I would rather him sit there and take pitches than just go up there and hack. Right. Because you're you're seeing all right, that was called a strike. That's that's a strike up here. That'll play. That's too little too far. That's a ball. You, he's learning the strike zone. He's coming acclimated. If you're just going up there swinging at whatever, that's not how you learn the strike zone or, or learn what guys are doing against you because then yep. you just have the automatic mindset of I'm swinging no matter what, and that's how you get yep. kind of st- stuck in not actually learning how pitches are attacking you and how strike zones play up here. Exactly, and you see it in the types of pitches that he's being thrown. I looked up on fan graphs just to see. He's getting a fastball 44% of the time, which is – not much, uh, yeah. You know, they're they're giving him one fastball to start the at bat, and then they're throwing a slider twenty eight percent of the time. They're throwing a uh, change up fourteen percent of the time. I mean, they're just peppering him with off speed, yeah. Um, which and is what you do to a young guy, right? Exactly, exactly. Because the, the fastball is the one pitch he'll probably recognize off yeah. the bat, off the arm, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, so kind of explaining how the the hitters, the veteran hitters, have been struggling. I think you could say the same right now with a few veteran pitchers. Obviously, Scherzer, Scherzer, he's gotten, after that one bad start against the Marlins, he's kind of gotten back on track. Um, Strasburg has been okay. He's still been, you know, um, pretty good at this point, still striking out a lot of guys. But the two two guys that are really kind of frustrating at this point are the back-end guys, four and five, yeah. Anibal Sanchez and Jeremy Hellickson at this point. Sanchez... Now 0-4 after last night. He's got a uh, ERA just under 6, 5.91. His strikeout-to-walk ratio, not good, 27-18. to 18. And then Hellickson, right below him, 5.81 ERA, 10 walks, 13 strikeouts. Um, I don't think the Nats were expecting Sanchez to replicate exactly what he gave the Braves last year, which was an awesome season at ERA under 3, late career resurgence. Um, but... Something under a six or five and a half ERA at this point, probably what they would be hoping for. Right, and they're not getting it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was. And I feel like this is we've seen this a couple times now with Sanchez's starts. Like he looks really good the first time through the order. Yep, and then they just figure him out, and it's just turns turns into a show. I mean, um, he's got great stuff. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I thought it was interesting last night because he was, he was going up against Adam Wainwright and uh, Madison threw up a graphic comparing the two because they've both been in the league for so long. Yeah, forever. Like, right, yeah. and like their their numbers are almost identical. Um, and Bob and FP were talking about how each pitcher, you know, they're great in their own way, in their own respect, but they've each had to figure out how to kind of reinvent themselves yeah. as, they, as they get older because they can't touch 
98, 99 anymore. Yeah. You know, they have to rely on their off speed and, and their location, which is also what Jeremy Hudson has been doing. But we've seen him not be able to get through the order multiple times either. Yeah. So now, is it kind of like, do we have two Jeremy Hellickson types where he looks great through the first one, maybe two times through the order, but then you got to yank him because right. guys are figuring him out and he doesn't have the blow away stuff that a Strasburg or a Scherzer has or a Corbin has to stay up in the game through three times? Yeah, and th- I think he's only gone more than five innings twice in his first six starts. Obviously, small sample size, but yeah, it, w- the way that this bullpen is pitching, especially, you want to string a guy out as long as, as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you do definitely worry about that. And similar to what we just talked about with Ryan Zimmerman, at what point do you say maybe the Nats banked too much on the one good season? So like with Zimmerman, it was like, did the Nats kind of hope that that 2017 w- was the norm when in fact the, was the last it was the outlier? So you look at Anibal Sanchez last year. You know, it looked like, oh, he, this guy got it figured out again. Like you said, Bobby, he, he realized his fastball wasn't what it was, so he reinvented himself. Uh, this is, you know, maybe, and they said to themselves, maybe this is the norm. This is what he's going to be. When, in fact, last year was an outlier in terms of his last five years. You look at those numbers going back to, to his time with Detroit. Over the last five years, including that great year last year, ERA just over five, um, had a season in there where he had a 6-4-1 ERA. Um, he really struggled near the end of his time with the Tigers. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those situations where you just, <laughs> you hope that last year was the norm and yeah. not the outlier, but at a certain point, it looks like the other or way. Or that he, like, reinvented him, like we yeah. talked about. Like, he, he's, he made he permanent figured changes. It, right, he figured it out, and he was able to change his approach and his game in the sense where, like, he now he knows how to play, you know, because, again, he can't be he can't blow guys away. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to pepper guys and get out a different way than he was used to. Right. And it hasn't played out that way just yet. I mean, again, we talk about how records for pitchers aren't always telling, but a guy who's 0-4 – over his first six starts, obviously not great. His mm-hmm. best outing was against the Pirates, where he only gave up two runs over seven innings. Other than that, he's hasn't gotten out of the sixth yet yeah. of his five other starts. And over his last three, he's gotten into the sixth once, only pitched over th- so three three starts, only pitched fifteen in the third inning. So mm-hmm. it's averaging about five innings per, and his ERA is above seven. Right. So it's just, again, we're at that time. And his pitch count is getting high, too. I mean, for only pitching six innings, not even, 90, 98, 94, that's a lot of pitches for five innings. Yeah. And, you know, we see guys like Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin pitch that many, throw that many pitches going into the eighth. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So it's, it's like he's, he's struggling to get guys out quickly and efficiently, and it's, it's costing him exactly. innings. And that's why... You know, when you see a guy that has a inflated ERA, but he's, like, racking up a lot of strikeouts and his walks are down, maybe he's just, like, giving up a lot of, you know, good hits or a lot of homers or something. In that instance, you might say, like, all right, these problems are fixable and, like, it'll kind of right itself. But when a guy is missing the strike zone and he's got a bad strikeout-to-walk ratio and he can't get out of a certain... That's when it's, it's worrisome because that means yeah. that he might not have... Um, you know, that hitters are seeing him really well or whatever it is, he is just not going far into games, and that's concerning. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to compare him to Scherzer or Strasburg or Corbin, mm-hmm. but 
it just goes back to my original question when we started this topic is, all right, do we basically essentially have two Jeremy Hellickson types? Right. And I don't mean that in a negative sense, but we knew what Jeremy Hellickson was coming into this season. Yeah. We're like, all right, don't let him go through the third, you know, and then kind of piece away the bullpen after that. He's good for th- – but now we have two guys like that, and that is taxing, and that puts a lot of – again, domino effect. Puts a lot of pressure on your bullpen, yeah. puts a lot of pressure on the other three starters to go deeper into games when it's their turn. Not to twist the knife here a little bit on the Nats. I went and looked up how our good old buddy Tanner Roark is doing uh-huh. over in Cincinnati. 4.08 ERA. 1-1 uh, and record with the Reds. Uh, I would just say at this point, uh, probably Nats could, would, would, would take a 4.08 ERA from either of these guys. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's... Obviously, it's early, but... He's almost a full... Two runs, yeah, better, low, better, yeah. yeah, and then, and more strikeouts, yeah. Well, the same as the Sanchez, but yeah, yeah. So that's always just tough. thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's always <laughs> it's tough to look after the fact. I know. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so not to pile on the bad things, Bobby. That's <laughs> all you're doing. Well, let's pile on the <laughs> bad. Let's pile on the bad. Things. Um, look, I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat their issues because I don't think that's what fans want to hear at this point. I think there are things that. Right. are f- deeply frustrating. It's going wrong. We have, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, um, obviously, in spring training, all the hoopla was over fundamentals. Hoopla, how the Nets... Hoopla. Um, we should make that a, a bite. It's better than... Oh, baby! Yeah, it's the opposite of that. Oh, baby! Hoopla! Yeah, just kind of calling back and forth. <laughs> um, all of the... the, the Hoopla was made over the defense and fixing the defense, the fundamental things, the little things, and um, doesn't the the results have not been great so far. So I looked up some defensive stats for the Nationals. Fangraphs is kind of a good place to go for a lot of this stuff in terms of like defensive run save. They have a a, a metric they just call defense, um, and like the best team has like ten right now. Uh, the Nats are in the negatives. They're twenty sixth. In defense, so just kind of overall defensive rating, they're 25th in double plays turned. We know last year that was something that frustrated uh, the coaching staff. The front office was the fact that they were getting minus defense from Daniel Murphy at second base, and they tried him at first, and they just couldn't turn double plays. And at this point, they've only turned 25, or they're 25th rather in terms of double plays turned. Um, they're middle of the pack in errors. Um, they don't have that many throwing errors, but they're fielding errors. They have the sixth most in baseball. Ooh. And their defensive run saved are, uh, is negative 18. So, in, you know, they calculate that they would save. They, they've lost 18 they've runs. They've given up 18 runs. Because of their defense. That's 26th in baseball. Although it, I should mention the Phillies are a lot worse and the Mets are also worse. They're 29th and, and 28th uh, in baseball. Hmm. So, um Defense does not look good so far. No, I mean, again, that's the frustrating part, Paul, is, again, like you said, this was a point of emphasis in spring training. This was Davey Martinez day in, day out. You know, we're not going to take our bats out. We're going to work on defense. We're going to work on small ball. We're going to work on turning double plays. We're going to work on base running. You know, it's all that little, and it's we're not seeing it. And that's, you know, even even think, go outside of defense, look at, you know, we talked about earlier how many outs are base runners Rolling into Victor Robles running yeah. into guys and and Juan Soto and, and Trey Turner. I mean Trey Turner was actually doing really well, but yeah, it's uh, Mark Zuckerman hashtag the little things every single time and, yeah. and just scroll through his feed and you'll see you know it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of it's almost once or twice a night where yeah. it's we're seeing little mistakes that could eventually cost you ball games, especially over the last couple of games have been pretty close. Yeah, 
um, except for maybe that one against the Padres that got away from him. One run game against the Cardinals. At one point, was a one-run game against the Cardinals on Monday. They turned into a three-run game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a walk-off win against the Padres. He came all the way back to tie it at six. Uh, an extra inning game on Saturday. Three to four on Friday. Um, all the games in Colorado were relatively close. Um, a two to three loss against my, my the Marlins in Miami. Um, you know, the the Giants games weren't exactly runaways, except for the nine to six game that turned out close it was a blowout for for um, most of it but yeah you're seeing the trend here it's like they're struggling in close games and those little things turn big into big things yeah. when <laughs> when you don't execute them yeah um we should do a deep dive at some point in terms of tracking that hashtag and i i look at it every i mean when i'm working in the game show mm-hmm. and i see a mistake on the tv i look to my computer and there's there's mark tweeting yeah I wonder, and I I know he didn't start doing it right out the gate. Yeah, yeah. So there are some where he right. missed from earlier in the yeah. season, like the first week of the season. Then, then because they started doing it so frequently, he started tweeting it, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is a thing now. They should, uh, he should make it kind of like, give it some kind of thing, because people, I looked up the hashtag, people tweet hashtag little things about stuff like, oh, my boyfriend got me yeah. flowers at work, it's oh, hashtag it the, little today. the little thing. He should do like nat, hashtag Nat's little things. Yeah. Little things that suck. Or something. <laughs> and little just, things that cost you close games. <laughs> exactly. Little that, things that cost you one run games. But then it starts to cost you characters, and then that's you yeah. know where it hurts you. And but that's, he should, the, that's the game. There, he should um, find you know something to make it unique well, so you can that do, we can well, follow I mean, it. Well, you can well you can search his handle and then the hashtag. True, true. You could do that. So you can do. Let's do that. At Mark Zuckerman space colon hashtag the little things. Well, that's this good podcast. Did, did I spell his name wrong? Oh, it's not Berg. Yeah, it's men at the end. I said man. <laughs> I know. Zuck, uh, do I have to like capitalize his? Mark. So apparently you can't do no, that. No, I guess you cannot. Uh, How can you not? Oh, hold on. I did add the little things, not hashtag. That was a miscorrect. There we go. At the little thing. Is there a uh, Twitter handle? At the little thing? There we go. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Scientific. All right. Got yeah. them all in there. Yeah. So um, go look at Mark's tweets at, yeah. at Mark Zuckerman. Hashtag the little things. We are the social media side of things. So the we'll, gurus. We will um, uh, we'll talk to him about uh, yeah. incorporating that into his... Uh, Regular bits, yep. including answering questions aimed towards Mark Zuckerberg. Um, all right, Bobby, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, all I pretty much got for uh, why the Nats are struggling at this point. Got to turn it around. Thing is, plenty of baseball left, uh, and I, Davey, again, plenty of baseball yeah. left. But again, when is when is it still early? Not early. Yeah, and you wonder if when is it too? It's still early. Turn it. It's too late. Uh, you wonder if there are ghosts that are kind of hanging around. Obviously, it's a slightly different group from last year. but at, Right, th- it is, but they're out of excuse. I, 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 we we defended Davey and this team last year, I think fairly so, too, because of what was happening. And I would say the only thing right now that's defendable or worth defending or a fair argument is the injuries to their top two players. Right. And that's that's fair. But then you look across the board and people aren't holding their own weight. I mean, and people who are mad at David Martinez, we've talked about how often it's like, well, what else is he supposed to do? Like he has to, he can only play with the guys that he has on his roster. At what point is it just like, you know, they need to play better. I mean, it's there's nothing he can do. Why why are we not holding players accountable? Yeah. They're not doing their jobs. They have to do do your job, play better. Do you, just skate Just get better. Bill Belichick in there. 
Do your job. Again, tough stretch facing the Cardinals, Phillies, Brewers, and Dodgers coming up before coming home and taking on the Mets and the Cardinals. It's it's a brutal stretch here in, in May. Um, you're not really letting up until maybe the end of the month, Memorial Day weekend when you get the Marlins. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they need to pull what they did last year in May and go and have a strong May because, remember, they started off sh- yeah. struggling in April and had a really good May. And they need not only do they need to have a good May this year, but they need to change the narrative from last year, have a good May, and continue having a good 2019 season. You got to carry on through that. Hags. The the, sorry? They should probably just hags. You hags. know, like people used to write in your yearbook. Have a great summer. They should have a great summer. Look, the summer is coming up. It's right. Run out of springtime. Yeah. Nats need to hags. Yeah, they do. They do. That's they what I would write in your right yearbook. Now. What was the best thing that somebody ever wrote in your yearbook? Did you, did you have that thing where, like, you really looked forward to people writing in your yearbook? In, like, middle school, yeah. 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 In high school, especially both of us, we went to all-boy all Catholic schools. It's I don't think anyone, we didn't really write in yearbooks no. in, in high school. We didn't. No. I, Actually, it, we did not at all. No. So it was more like, a, it was in grade school, yeah. It was like Middle school little, type thing. Yeah. Always look forward to your crush writing in your yeah, uh, yearbook. Yeah, Do yeah. you have that too? Yeah, get yeah. like butterflies, like, oh my God. I she hope she writes something <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah, where's she going? Oh my God, her pen doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a pen? <laughs> get this Why does no one have a pen? Um, all right, Paul, where are you on Twitter? Uh, at Paul Mancano. Bobby? I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco at Mass and Nationals across the board to give us a follow. Um, we'll, our good uh, friend and coworker Olivia Witherite will be live at the park tomorrow before the 4 o'clock game against the Cardinals. She going live? I don't know if she's going live. <laughs> she's, she's going live. She'll be posting live. Let's just get an Instagram live of everything. Of everything. Like. Just her following around. I know she loves to be on camera. Yep, she loves the attention. Give exactly. her all the attention. At Olivia Wither, right? On Twitter, give her all the attention. Don't even follow us. Just, follow, yeah, just follow her and give her all the attention she needs. <laughs> um, for Paul, I'm Bobby. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time.